Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri <gasps> and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen, coming to you live on tape from my secret undisclosed location in the Columbia, Missouri area, joined by Satellite from his undisclosed location in Kansas City, Philip Frasica. Philip. Good morning. Happy to be here. Or good afternoon or good night or whenever you're listening to this, right? <laughs> we will never tell. We'll never tell. Uh, so we want to make sure we cover everyone's bases. Uh, Philip is, in addition to running the boards, going to be our guest yes. today. Yeah, that's exciting, right? Yes, it's nice to be a guest and not just helping. So happy yeah. to be here. Well, we've talked about, we, we just talked about Kansas City like about a month ago, didn't we? Or two months yeah. ago or something yeah. like that? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been longer than that. I have no idea. Time is kind of a fluid concept for me. Uh, but you and I, uh, mainly you and I, both from Renew Missouri, have been working on a project uh, pretty much all summer, and that is going into the fall right now. And um, I kind of feel like we can talk about it because we're doing some public outreach on it now. Um, yeah. But it, it really comes to what we're talking about is we're working – kind of with a national coalition of people like us, groups like ours, uh, who are interested in trying to look at making renew uh, rural electric cooperatives run more on clean energy, run more on energy efficiency. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about like the, uh, what the project is, Philip? Sure, uh, so we are currently developing two different reports, one of which mm -hmm. were uh, taking the stock of the state and our cooperative, uh, industry here and, and what they're all doing and, and programs they have offering and, and so on. Um, and then we're also going to be doing our survey, which we have now launched, which mm. we're going to be linking in this podcast link yes. everywhere where you can find it as well. So if you know anyone in a rural area, please share it, check it out. Uh, but we're going to be taking the input and responses from that survey to then uh, create our vision for a way forward document. Uh, mm -hmm. That will be reporting on showing what people want from rural parts of the state and what they'd like to see in their co-op. Right. And we're not just doing this because we need something to do. We're, Correct. We're, we're doing this. Um, and I want to kind of give a little bit of, I'll give a little bit of background on this. Um, so as you all know, we're going through a pandemic. <laughs> I was almost going to hope we, I was going to catch you doing a spit take on that, Philip, but apparently it wasn't that funny. As you all know. <laughs> Sorry, we have video here. This is the, any visual gag is not going to work for my listeners, so I'm sorry. Um, we we are, you know, the federal government has looked at a number of ways to address this uh, to avoid any kind of financial calamity. Um, the effectiveness of that is to be debated. Maybe, I mean, right now, I mean, it seems like we've lost a lot of jobs. Uh, we've seen some jobs come back. We've seen some industries come back, but it's still a struggle and a challenge. And one of the places where it is a struggle is uh, with utilities. And in this case, because I, I mean, and we can talk about this in another podcast, but we have had a number of utilities, including Evergy, which is based there in Kansas City, come into the Public Service Commission, wanting to get some favorable bookkeeping orders to allow them to recover lost revenue as a result of COVID. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to make a whole other podcast about that. But Another, you know, that's an investor-owned utility. They're regulated by the Public Service Commission. There's also rural electric cooperatives here in Missouri. Um, they are not regulated by the Public Service Commission. Um, they, they, they are not-for-profit corporations. They have boards. They govern what goes on there. 
there is federal oversight of how um, uh, co-ops are operated and managed and where they get their power, but not so much from the state. So uh, there, there's a number of relief packages that Congress is debating right now, discussing uh, one of them involves kind of providing relief. Some might call it a bailout to rural electric cooperatives. And look, I mean, you can debate whether that's merited or not. I know there's a lot of people who think that we should not be giving them money or anything like that, but there, there is an effort in this group that we're working with. I, now let me out, Philip. We always have a lot of acronyms here. This is the New Economy Coalition that we're working with. Is that yes. their name? Uh, the NECREC Working Group, which is the New Economy Coalition Rural Electric Cooperative Working Group. And listen to that alphabet soup, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, but we are, we've been invited to this and we're on there with people from Kentucky, Minnesota, North Dakota, Montana, all over the country. Um, and one of the reasons why Missouri is involved there, and, and a lot of you, you know, listen, uh, there's a lot of groups like Sierra Club, NRDC, that do general environmental work here in Missouri. There's not very many groups that work on this, like renewable energy, clean energy stuff. We're it, basically. Basically. Safe to say, Philip? Um, for our exclusive focus, yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for the caveat. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, sorry, our daycare is closed. I'm a little loopy today, folks. Um, so yeah, so we have, um, we are kind of considered a renewable energy advocacy group for Missouri. Missouri's cooperatives, uh, which serves about 15% of our population, but a much larger geographic, <laughs> geographical swath of the state. Um, and I shouldn't, and we shouldn't, we need to be clear, Philip, that um, just if you live in a rural area does not mean that you are served by a co-op. There are rural areas that are served by Evergy West, uh, Ameren, Missouri serves some rural areas, same with Liberty down in the Southwest Missouri area. Uh, but more likely than not, uh, if you live in a rural area, you're going to be served by a cooperative. Yeah. Um, and our cooperatives here, you know, another important thing to point out to folks, uh, they're not a part of a larger regional market of energy. They produce all of the power that they sell, um, you know, which, uh, you know, when you look at like the ability for some of our municipal utilities and some of our investor-owned utilities to get more wind, get more solar, uh, they are able to tap into generated power from other states. Uh, the Associated Electric Cooperatives aren't able to do that right now. Uh, that might be changing soon, but that too is another podcast. We should be writing down all these other podcast ideas I'm coming up here with, Philip. Um, but okay, so 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 Associated Electric, who is the power wholesale supplier for all of the 43 uh, smaller cooperatives in the state, they have a number of coal plants. What are their coal plants, Philip? Where are those at? So I'm glad you asked. Oh, me too. <laughs> They are uh, the Thomas Hill and New Madrid plants. Mm. So we've done our homework into these plants and what's going on here. Yes. And they are big contributors in terms of the energy output they provide for our rural electric cooperatives across the state. Uh, yep. New Madrid had uh, a little under uh, 8 million megawatt hours in 2018 from the plant. And Thomas yep. Hill uh, was 
a little less, but uh, also very close to, to 8 million megawatt hours in 2018. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. also interesting because the New Madrid plant runs 69% of the time and Thomas Hill yeah. runs 75% of the time. So that's kind mm -hmm. of one of the things we're looking at here for alternatives that, you know, they don't even need to run these plants full time. So right. uh, might make sense to look at some lower cost um, competitive options that are now available. And some of mm -hmm. the units of these plants have been around for 50 years, 60 or 70 years. One of them was a very well be close to retiring. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. We've been there. Yeah. So, so New Madrid, it's a little easy to pinpoint where that is on a, on a Missouri map because there's New Madrid County. Um, that's in the boot heel, that little part of the state that looks like a boot. Uh, Thomas Hills is, I guess I would say that's probably north central Missouri. I don't know if I call it northeast Missouri. I guess I would call it north central Missouri. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to make sure Associated Electric, we, they also have wind farms uh, that they have built here in the state. So they, they get some of their power from that. But they also get, they, they get most of their power from coal. They get about 15% from renewable options, uh, 35 from natural gas, uh, and then 50 from coal. And let's be, and let's make sure we distinguish that a little further, Philip. When they're talking about renewables, they're also throwing in hydro for that too. Correct. Yep. Uh, because, folks, fun fact. I think I've shared this before, but the fun fact is, if you have a, a U.S. Uh, Corps of Engineers lake with a dam in Missouri or anywhere, you have to sell that power to rural electric cooperatives. It's federal law. Do you know that? I do now. Okay. <laughs> Every day should be a learning experience yes. for all of us. So, okay, so yes, they are pretty coal heavy, uh, pretty natural gas heavy, which I mean, yes, natural gas is cleaner than coal, that's true, but not as clean as, you know, or as cheap as some of these other options out there. So, that kind of gives you an idea of what the co-ops here in Missouri are doing. Most importantly, in my, in, you know, in, in Renew Missouri's perspective on this is the coal plants that operate for Associated Electric are very steeped in debt when you compare them to the value of their assets. You're a financial guy, Philip. That was your college degree. It's never good when you have like a high debt to asset ratio, is it? No. And that's, you know, tying back to our national focus here and, and why we're talking about it. And uh, for folks that are interested, the bill we're looking at is Senate Bill 4152. It's Flexible Financing for Rural America Act of 2020. So even yeah. though we're talking about energy policy, yes, all of this is very much on the financial side and, and how that ties into everything. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> I was going to lead you to that big lead up about the, about the bill, but we'll, we'll mention that again. Don't forget that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So the idea that, you know, that has been kind of developed out of this is, and I mean, this is a real simplification of what we're talking about here, but uh, the idea would be that, you know, instead of just a flat out relief package to the co-ops that, part or most of it would be to retire this debt, which then in turn would allow them to retire these coal plants, which then in turn require the cooperatives to invest that money into other projects like clean energy, like broadband access, like EV charging stations, EV fleets. And that is the subject of that legislation. Can you say that bill again, Philip? <laughs> uh, yes, it's uh, Senate Bill 4152. Um, and it has been introduced by Senator Hoven out of North Dakota. Yeah, okay. Uh, not exactly a liberal stalwart. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, I mean, so that's the idea, right? So, now, look, we're not 
We're not doing the L word on this. We are just educating people, right, Philip? Yeah. Um, and I mean, really, uh, haven't done. Can't say what L word it is because I don't want to even be suggested what we could be doing. We're educating people about the merits of this bill. Yes, and we typically um, don't even do that with uh, federal issues. And if we are getting no. engaged directly, it's at the state level. So it's a little yeah. uh, outside of our traditional scope. I think, yeah, I think that's right. And I think that the last, and, and it's something, certainly something I'm, uh, that we're interested in trying to expand more of. I mean, especially as we get, you know, kind of centralize our staff and we have more policy and legal experts on our staff. Um, you know, I think we could probably focus more on that instead of just the kind of grassroots advocacy where New Missouri has done historically, which by yeah. the way is, is not, is not something we're like entirely moving away from. But I think that the grassroots activity that Renew Missouri has done for the past, you know, 14 years, or at least certainly the 11 years before, you know, I came in, uh, laid the groundwork for our ability to do that advocacy work with regulators and with the uh, lawmakers and that sort of thing. So, yeah, because I think really the last time I was ever engaged on a federal issue was I went out to DC, like right when I started about three years ago and uh, went to talk to the Missouri congressional delegation with our friends at uh, national housing trust in RDC about, um, LIHEAP and about uh, the federal budget for, um, you know, kind of energy efficiency, low income measures, uh, because there was a concern that that might get cut out of President Trump's initial budget, which it yeah. wasn't. And sure, prior, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, and prior to that, I think the only federal issue we really got involved with was the Clean Power Plan back in 2015 when they were accepting comments for the state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do, or I'll just highlight to the folks at home is we are trying to do more uh, with uh, FERC matters, uh, comments, advocacy at the regional transmission markets like MISO, like SPP, which both serve Missouri, depending on which part of the state you're in. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're we have a plan to kind of move more into that. I mean, I, you know, we, we need to get some funding for it. I mean, we're getting, I mean, and I'll just tell you, we're getting some funding for this, uh, to do this, some of this work, um, education, outreach to our rural electric cooperative supporters and friends, allies. Um, yeah, it's because we want to show, I mean, like, I mean, ultimately, Philip, don't we, I mean, we're, we're trying to show that, you know, this is an issue that's important to people. I mean, I think it's easy to look at uh, environmental advocacy and you see people from universities and see people from cities that are out there marching for things like this, but uh, you don't see a lot of that from rural areas just because the population is more spread out, uh, communities are smaller. And I think there's a tendency for some people to think that it just doesn't matter in some of those areas, but it very much does. Yeah, and I feel like in some cases, too, um, people aren't as engaged and they're, you know, they might be happy with how things are. They might not have a need for Internet yeah. access or, or some of the right. other things we've been talking about. So, um, for you know, if they're getting that bill at the end of the year, uh, giving them $100 back uh, from, you know, a productive year for the cooperative, you know, mm -hmm. some people are just going to say, okay, great. See you guys next year. And that's really the only engagement they have is the annual meeting. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's some of it too. If there's not a problem, people don't really um, voice their concern. And right. you know, we see this as an opportunity. If we're going to get a bailout, we might as well use it for something that could help people yeah. um, actually get that financial saving or make their life a little bit better. And, and to your point, and 
working from home and, and changes with with COVID this year, it, it's kind of a bigger need than ever before for these communities to have internet access. Right, right. Uh, reliable, quick yeah. internet access. Yeah, I mean, this has always been an issue. Like, you know, like, listen, I, I'm from a, from Webster County, uh, rural community, from a very rural part of Webster County. Um, people, one of the reasons why jobs don't move there, people move out, is because you have to have internet access to work um now in some cases you need it for your kids to go to school or to get education from a public system i mean i can tell you right now the uh the i think it was the columbia missourian actually did an article about um some about two kids from like about a mile away from where i was raised uh and they literally could not go to class very effectively during the covid pandemic because they didn't have good internet access and they were like 12 miles away from school and you're like 25 minutes away from Springfield, which is the third largest city in the state. So it's not like we're like completely isolated. We're just, just, it's just not out there. So, and I, and if you feel if you bring up something that makes me uh, realize they need to point out, you know, one of the things that some people say is, well, why, yeah, why should we bail out the co-ops? I mean, you're right. Yes. They're going to get some relief, but also more importantly, um, you know, a lot of these debt that we're talking about in these coal plants are federally backed debt. Yes. USDA, SBA, other agencies that work with the cooperatives, and they have secured this money. Uh, they've secured the you know capital expenditures that were needed to build these plants. So this is federal money. These are federal obligations. And you know I'm a you know I'm kind of an old school economist guy. I feel like you know economic money policy needs to direct general policy, social policy. I think there's ways that you can like put financial pressure or give financial relief that like causes people to behave in different ways and causes them to act in ways that can be for the public benefit. Uh, yeah, I was taught by a bunch of radical Keynesians there, uh, Philip at Drury down in Springfield. And, uh, you know, and I think that, um, I think that's a way of doing this. I think, you know, we're in a group that works on how to get clean energy to become more of a part of our daily lives. And, I'm sorry, you know, all due respect. I know we had Dalton Archer on last week, who's kind of you know, politically a little opposite from me. I don't think the free market always works to that benefit. Like it can, but it doesn't always work that way. And if you want something done, sometimes you've got to put pressure on the market from other forces. Yeah. And to that yeah. point, we're not, you know, we didn't start this conversation um, by asking for the bailout. So that is something that has already been brought up and we're joining this to say, okay, if you're going to be spending this money to bail out coal plants all across the country and provide refinancing for co-ops, how about we also provide some money to fix the problem so they don't yeah. have that future help. And so we can make these cooperatives more profitable and sustainable in the future while also giving them access to things that they want and their members want outside of just what energy choice they have. Yeah. And some of these policies that we want them to move this money to can lead to longer lasting economic consequences. I mean, you know, you talk about energy efficiency that gives work to energy efficiency contractors in rural areas. Um, you know, one of the things we always talk about is a conversation we've had with cooperatives around the state about wanting to electrify school bus fleets uh, in their rural school districts. I mean, school districts usually are the number one employer for some of these communities, almost always. Uh, with some of these communities um, and 
Uh, so yes, I mean, so this this is something that you know those areas do have job losses. They have had jobs that have left and never come back. Um, there are struggles to keep people who leave to go to school to come back. Um, all those are real. All those are things that I've had to struggle with. <laughs> Uh, you know, being from an area like that. And so it's, um, it's, it, it is important. And I think that if you want to talk about like, if we can find any benefit from everything we've just endured for the past six months, close to seven months, who knows how much longer, uh, we need to be looking at solutions like this. Yeah. And again, I mean, we've had a lot of bailout opportunities this year with PPP and other programs. So it's kind yeah. of time if we're, you know, breaking out the, the federal wallet, we might as well use it for yeah. some programs that can help people. As the great philosopher Billy Joel once said, we didn't start the fire. It's been burning since the world's been turning. Exactly. <laughs> I almost got chills saying that. <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, folks, uh, <laughs> send your comments to me, Andrew Lanares, at... <laughs> Andrew at renewmo.org. Okay. Um, no, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So we see this, as, I mean, yeah, this is, this is, I mean, this is relatively outside of what we're used to doing. We don't do a lot of federal advocacy. We do, as you, as you all know, a lot at the state. It is hard for us to do rural cooperative advocacy because they don't go in front of the public service commission where we don't have the ability to intervene with some of their decisions. Our, our main work has been with trying to work with people who want to run for their boards uh, and their co and their distributive cooperatives. I mean, Philip, you've done a lot of work on that. You've yeah. talked to a lot of people who are interested in you know trying to direct their co-ops into um, cleaner, uh, more kind of forward-thinking policies. I mean, what challenges? I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think it is that like people have challenges trying to change that in rural areas? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think some of it is not necessarily due to the policy itself, but um, who the candidates are, who they know in the community, because we found that out that uh, those things matter much more uh, in those races, because um, there's, you know, community history there and what someone has done to somebody else. And if you don't have that insight on, on some of that information that can make races uh, hard from the get-go, mm -hmm. um, while in other cases, you know, individuals were very well known and, um, you know, they talked about energy savings and then they had to, you know, shoe in wasn't mm -hmm. a problem. So um, I, I think it really matters who the messenger is, not right. really as much what the message is as, as long as it's um, something that would help people. Right. Yeah. And that's right. I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, the, you know, we talk about like someone running, I mean, there is an election for this. They have board meeting, they have like kind of annual meetings where people show up and there's a barbecue or there's a picnic or there's some sort of like kind of, you know, public forum. I mean, they don't, some, some co-ops do mail-in ballots or they have drop-off ballots and things. Every one of them is different. That's the other fun thing about doing that work is there's 43 of those uh, distributive cooperatives that uh, serve Missouri and every one of them have different rules. Yeah. How these elections work. So if you wonder why it's a, another challenge, that's a, that's another one of them. Trying to get I mean, the bylaws is, is tough, right? Yeah. And um, thankfully there are themes. Um, so, mm -hmm. I mean, some of them have very, very similar bylaws um, and others are yeah. completely unique. So, yeah. To your 
point, it, you know, if we don't have it or if the member owner we're talking to hasn't seen it and they don't know, well, we can tell them based on a neighboring cooperative, this is what they like to do. Um, that yeah. might not hold up. So, you know, it can be some you can write in um, and get 10 people to sign and then you're nominated or uh, you might need 100 people to sign on to get nominated right. by write in. Yeah, so it can be kind of a project if you take it on. Um, and, you know, and I think also, you know, some people just kind of look at, you know, how they get their electricity and they don't think they have much control over it. They don't think, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I got, I walk into a room or I walk into my barn, I turn on the light, it comes on, I get a bill. Sometimes I think the bill's too high. I never think it's very low. <laughs> and that's all I do. And there's not much of a thought that anyone has any control over this. But they do. And, you know, that's another thing that I'm hoping we're trying to hoping to accomplish with this um, effort is to remind people that we're reaching out to that they have a say in this. Yeah, you own your (laughs) co-op. Right. And and yeah, that's really what, you know, matters in the messaging, because, you know, when Mm -hmm. we say member owner, um, we're not just doing that because that's, you know, a fancy term we like to use in utility yeah. speak, but they're literally right. owners of, of the cooperative and they're not just a yes. customer like with every other utility. They actually have some stake and some equity in the co-op. It has legal weight, that term. Yeah. 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 That's right. I mean, you know, I mean, I know there's a board of directors and they're the ones who, you know, tell the, the staff at that cooperative what to do, but and I mean, it, it feels frustrating because I know there are usually slates of candidates that are pre-selected and everyone thinks that's just kind of a done deal. I know you can look at cooperatives in certain parts of the state and there's people whose granddads had that seat and their dads had that seat and they have that seat. I get it. But, um, you know, if you feel passionately about this stuff, or you feel like your co-op should be doing something differently and you, or you feel like you have a role to help, you know, people around you. I mean, look, that's something you can do and we can help. I mean, we can help you with that. We can, you know, help you with that. I mean, look, I'm not, we're not trying to throw elections. We're not trying to change the way these things are done. We're just trying to offer another perspective there. And I think a big way of doing it is going to be through this legislation, because I think this will help make decisions uh, at the federal level that are more consistent. That's why we've got multiple state organizations working on this from different parts of the country. And so, Philip, um, yes. You you say this survey is going to be available through this podcast, yeah? <laughs> yes, so that ties in very nicely with the survey. So yeah, yeah. Um, we have on here in our description, it'll be about four to six minutes for you to complete. Um, if you participate and fill it out yourself, you'll be entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Um, oh my you, gosh. Yeah, if you refer Amazing. someone and yeah. get them to, you have a chance to win as yeah. long as they mark you down as the reference. Yeah, Um, we're really not looking at anything too crazy here. We want to know who your cooperative is, where you are, how, um, your living situation, rent ownership, maybe both. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're a building owner, could you give us some details on what your building's like? Cause I mean, there are a lot of, uh, opportunities for owners to save their tenants on their utility bills, which we can talk about another time and have in the past, right? Uh, That, that distinction matters. Um, we ask how big the space is because that also matters in terms of energy efficiency. Um, how many utility meters do you have? Same thing. Um, yeah. Then we ask, you know, re- some renewable questions. Do you have solar? Um, if not, it doesn't apply to you. Um, 
talking about the coal plants as we have. And then we also right. have a question further on with all of these topics we've talked about and yeah. um, getting input on whether or not you would like that. Uh, we mm -hmm. also have a ranked choice of that to see what people want uh, right. prioritized here. So really, I mean, that's, that's what we're wanting to do. And we're wanting to take all this input in our final report. So, you know, we've been talking about the clean energy options here and broadband and um, we're both very fond of, you know, the less energy intensive parts of this program uh, right. to be more appealing across the board, but, you know, please take it and, and fill it out because that's really going to help in our advocacy for this bill and um, our education around it. Cause I mean, if we have results of, Hey, everybody loves broadband and no one wants solar. Well, that's going to matter for the report and the direction we're going. It is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's why, I mean, listen, and like, and, and I had, you know, I reached out to somebody who we work with in one of the rural areas and they're like, well, look, I mean, we don't, we don't know if the people we're going to send this to are going to like a coal plant shutting down since it provides a lot of jobs in this area that kind of narrows down what we're talking about. I'm like, listen, that's fine too. We need results to say that as well. We need a realistic portrayal of what people out in the rural electrical operators are thinking. So even if you, if you send it to somebody who doesn't like <laughs> clean energy or thinks it's a hoax or thinks it's, uh, you know, coal, shutting down coal plants is a bad idea. It's bad policy, or we shouldn't be bailing out co-ops. I mean, listen, I, I don't care. I mean, I care to the extent I want to like try to change your mind, but as far as filling out the survey, you know, fill that out. So we have an honest appraisal of what's going on out there. Yeah. And um, if you, you have your um, uncle that you disagree with on everything politically oh, yeah. <laughs> that you only see once a year, send it to them too. Cause we yeah. want those opinions as well. When he sends you the Ford, 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 Bill Gates did COVID email, respond back with this survey link and say, hey, <laughs> since we're talking, uh, can you fill out this survey? Um, exactly. You ever gotten one of those, Philip? <laughs> um, no, no, I have not. Okay. I have. Uh, <laughs> that makes us different, I think. You, you come from a family of doctors and educated people, and I come from hill people. Well. <laughs> Well, I'll also know my uncle doesn't have my email address. Oh, Otherwise, okay. I might, might receive that. <laughs> You're on his do not call list, right? <laughs> call around the holidays only. List. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. I got it. Um, well, <laughs> so, um, sorry. If any of my family's listening, I know they're not. I love you all. Um, they don't listen to this. They don't know what I do. Um, so, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, send this to people, whoever. And make sure that if you're not in a co-op and you send it to a co-op member that they write you down as a reference because that will qualify you for one of five Amazon gift cards. Yes. I've lost my mind, Philip. I don't like, I don't like spending <laughs> money on anything. <laughs> Yet, it is so important for me that you, all, um, that you all fill this out. I want to try to give some incentive to do it. It's not much. I mean, I understand. I mean, but, you know, ultimately, it only takes a couple of minutes to do this. Yeah. So, and it's out. important. It, I mean, it's, it could really impact how rural Missouri looks in the future and what we do moving forward uh, and what yeah. will be available in communities. Yeah, that's right. And, and it'll also help us with educating people on, you know, help us educating cooperative leadership on this. I mean, because look, I know this group we're involved with, 
lest anyone thinks this is like an anti-cooperative effort, we've talked to the national leadership with the, with the rural electric cooperatives. They've got, you know, a board uh, uh, that is made up of cooperative members from all over the country. We've talked to their president. Their president is pretty up on this. They, they like this idea. And so it's just a matter of trying to get that. I mean, look, I mean, it's going to be hard to get any kind of relief package. It seems like every time there's progress, it's not, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, but um, yeah, because then now we've got a we have a judicial confirmation fight that'll be taking up a lot of October. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, so it's it's going to be limited, and it, it's unfortunate because this has been a fairly bipartisan effort uh, in yeah. terms of the current support for it and the policy, not necessarily for the amendment we want to make, but for the underlying bill. There's been yeah. uh, support from both sides of the aisle, so. I mean, I am a little optimistic that eventually it'll get movement. But yes, I mean, um, when things are getting more divisive, we might not actually see anything on this until early next year. And that's possible, too. Yeah. I mean, so we don't see this as like if it doesn't get done before the election or anything like that, we're going to like walk away from it. We see this as we're going to, you know, work on this until we can get some resolution. Yeah. So any parting thoughts, Philip? Uh, take the survey, share it yeah. and wide. It's going to be attached to SoundCloud and everywhere else we can share it with the podcast. We'll be doing an email as well with this and the link. So again, mm-hmm. please just share it. It's on Facebook. Uh, we're putting it on all our social media. So yeah, please, yeah. please share it. Spread it far and wide. Because yes. I mean, I think we want to get this kind of done before October 21st. Uh, so that gives us a little bit of time to compile it in a memo. I mean, we'll have the rest of the memo done, um, but we want to compile it because we've got to get that done by November 1st. Yes. Um, okay, great. Uh, and folks, if you fill out that survey and you like what you hear on Renew Gurus, uh, subscribe to us on, uh, you know, on major platforms. Like, uh, like us on uh, our social media. Write a favorable review. Uh, Philip, thanks for all you do. Uh, be safe out there in Kansas City. Been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, yeah, and all of you, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye.